You're listening to the best of Halford and Bruff. You're listening to Halford and Bruff. Bedard, nifty pass for Vlasic with a lot of room. He put it on that rebound goal. Going into that face-off circle with Sidney Crosby, what was going through your mind? Try to win it, and I failed miserably. You tried your best, and you failed miserably. The lesson is, never try. Good morning, Vancouver 601 on AO Wednesday. Happy Wednesday, everybody. Happy Canucks game day, everybody. It is Halford, it is Bruff, it is Sportsnet 650. We are coming to you live from the Kintec Studios in beautiful Fairview Slopes in Vancouver. Jason, good morning. Good morning. Hey, dog, good morning to you. Good morning. Laddie, good morning to you as well. Hello, hello. Halford and Bruff in the morning is brought to you by the Delari family of Acura dealers. Experience the Delari difference today by visiting your nearest Delari Acura dealer today. We are in hour one of the program. Hour one is brought to you by everythingfinancial.com financial freedom awaits book your introductory meeting today visit them on the internet at everythingfinancial.com we are coming to you live from the Kintech studio Kintech footwear and orthotics Canada's favorite orthotics provider supported by over 2500 five star Google reviews find your perfect fit at kintech.net it's the day we've all been waiting for the Canucks the Oilers 7 o'clock from Rogers Arena wall to wall coverage today right here on your home of the Canucks Sportsnet 650. It begins with us, the Halford and Bruff Show this morning. Canucks Talk is on today. Canucks pregame, post, and the call. Everything you need right here on your home of the Canucks. As for this show, what's happening today? Uh, guest list begins at 6.30. Jeff Merrick, host of The Jeff Merrick Show. Also the 32 Thoughts podcast. We can go over what happened last night in the NHL. Because mm-hmm. it officially got underway for six teams last night. Well, I think we should go over the the grenade that Elliot Friedman launched into the market, too, a couple days ago when he was talking about Elias Pettersson and how the Canucks are like, oh, you're not willing to uh, commit to us? Well, maybe we're not willing to commit to you. Merrick was on hand for that grenade drop. And, yeah, well, shrapnel. exactly. Uh, Jason Greger is going to join us out of Edmonton to talk about the Oilers tonight and the expectations that the Oilers have. And then at 8 o'clock, it is. Randy Janda is going to join us. He is on the call with Brendan Batchelor for tonight's game, so he'll join us to set it up and then at 8 30 Canucks legend Stan Smeal is going to join us fresh off his departure from the organization sorry transition down a roll from the VP of Hockey Ops Steamer will join us at 8 30 uh again a reminder seven o'clock tonight Canucks Oilers from Rogers Arena working in reverse the guest list 8 30 Stan Smeal eight o'clock Randy Janda 7 30 Jason Greger at a sports 14 40 in Edmonton and Jeff Merrick's coming up at 6 30 that's what's happening on the program today. Laddie, let's tell everybody what happened. Hey, did you guys see the game last night? No. What happened? I missed all the action because I was... We know how busy your life can be. What happened? You missed that? What happened? What happened is brought to you by the BC Construction Safety Alliance. Making safety simpler by giving construction companies the best in tools, resources, and safety training. Visit them online at bccsa.ca. With all due respect to our beloved Vancouver Canucks, we are going to lead with the opening night of the National Hockey League last night. Biggest story of the night by far, Connor Bedard. An assist! In his NHL debut and a win for the Chicago Blackhawks. Four unanswered goals coming from two down to beat the Penguins 4-2 at 
PPG Paints. Yeah, this was appointment viewing for me. I made sure I was able to watch the entire game. And for Connor Bedard, what a way to start your NHL career. Taking a faceoff against Sidney Crosby while the referee welcomes you to the league on national TV. And just for good measure, uh, the Blackhawks won. Yep. Uh, the Blackhawks did look pretty good, although I'm not sure if it had more to do with the Blackhawks and their good effort and the additions of a bunch of new players like Connor Bedard and Taylor Hall, or if the Penguins looked a little bit old to me. It was a little bit they, of both. Because the Penguins looked pretty good early on, mm-hmm. and then uh, I don't know if they just let their foot off the gas or they look slow to me. Mike, Sull- slow. Mike, Mike Sullivan said in the post game that uh, he believes that they got a better team than what showed up against Chicago mm-hmm. in the opener. I feel like the Blackhawks had the expected juice for having Bedard yeah, in the line, but, right? And Bedard was Bedard was good. And he played 21-29, so um, he was out there constantly. Did he have the type of NHL debut that some guys have had? Like, remember Austin Matthews scored like four goals in his NHL debut? No, I he do didn't. I remember that. Um, but what was interesting to watch was um, how he, at 18 years old, and one game in the NHL already acts like an alpha player. Like mm-hmm. he was not shy to shoot. Um, he wasn't coming off the ice during the power play after a minute. He looked up at the clock and he was like, yeah, I'm still staying out here. Mm-hmm. Um, there's no rookie shyness from Bedard. Uh, he didn't score, but as you mentioned, he did pick up an assist and it was a nice little uh, pass uh, to book his first NHL point. I think it's still like... This isn't uh, this isn't me doubting him or anything. Um, this is just like I think it's just going to be an adjustment for him. He got knocked down a few times last night, so from a physical perspective, he's going to have to adjust and he's going to have to realize that um, there are going to be players out there that want to hit him. Well, he's hit him hard. He's he's eighteen, right? I mean, I think that's yeah. a big thing because they, they they had this statistic going up that he's the first eighteen year old to score in his NHL debut since I think Nathan McKinnon and Alexander. Well, Ovechkin he didn't score. Did it. He didn't score. Score a point. Okay, right. Um, the point would be that those guys are way more physically robust, and they were breaking in, even though they're still teenagers. Than Bedard, I mean, Bedard's just not a huge guy. No, and, he's not a big guy. And it's going to be interesting because this this week is, I think, three in six over the next six days. So they've got a lot of games. They're back to back right away with Boston. So you get a chance to see him again right away. Long term. Like, I look at this, and I kind of had a laugh, and I'm like, the goal scorer is included, Cole Gutman. Like, th- this is not going to be a good Chicago team over the course of 82 no, games. They not. just don't have the talent. No, but Jason Dickinson scored last night. Ryan Donato scored last Jason night. Jason Dickinson looked pretty good last night. They scored the um, go-ahead goal. The, the, the things about Bedard, though, I think for every player that – dominated at the junior level like he did, there's just going to be a learning process um, and it might be a little bit of trial and error. Like what he got away with juniors in junior, some of the things he might not get away with um, in the NHL. Uh, And I think his shot selection is going to be fascinating Mm -hmm. because I think down in junior, he's like, I'm shooting everything because not only do I have this incredible shot, like the goalies will sometimes let them in. So there's probably going to be a learning process there, but uh, I think he's going to be fine. He's got so much confidence. And one thing that really strikes me 
is how prepared he seems for all the attention he's going to get. Like, mm-hmm. he was not shying away from the attention. He was interviewed multiple times. He had massive scrums around him. He was on the Pat McAfee show. And I think even just the answer that he had, and, like, he's able to make a joke Yeah, at 18 years old. You know, like, he seems comfortable in the spotlight. He already has more personality than McDavid. Like yeah, already. Like already. It's McDavid, his first game. McDavid, I think the problem <laughs> yeah, McDavid's with Mc- comfortable, though. I think he is, everyone, but I'm just saying Bedard acts, actually everyone has. Everyone takes it a little differently, but I Bedard's think... Bedard's interesting, though. But, but Bedard, you know, Bedard was able to take a shot at himself when they asked him about his, uh, you know, taking the face off, what do you want to do? He's sure. like, I, I wanted to win it, but I failed miserably, right? Like, I mean, that, that shows a... For me, that shows a guy that is confident, but also doesn't take himself too seriously. And I think that's a terrific attitude to have. Alfred and Ruff ethos. Yeah, for sure. Well, except for being a superstar, which we are not. We just don't take ourselves seriously. I'm cheering cheering so hard for him as an individual. I just do not care for the team he plays for. Yeah, that's That's a a tough one. I'm still trying to... Calibrate that. Do you think he'll have? Do you think he'll have PTSD every time he scores and hears uh, Chelsea Dagger growing up watching? Yeah, like it's just it is odd. Like (laughs) never have I tuned into a Blackhawks game and even been remotely interested in seeing them succeed on the ice. Yeah. And last night I'm like, oh, go Connor! Like he's such a hardcore Canucks fan. Like he'll never be. He'll never be happy when he scores. He's like. Ah, fine. Yeah. Can't hear this stupid song again. I, I hope he leads the charge to sh- change that. Yeah, that would be song. That would be an alpha move, right there. That would be. Yeah, yeah. day two on the job. And then, I'd like to change our long-standing yeah. goal. In song. the warm-up, this scarred me as a child. Can we please move it? In the warm-up, he used no bucket, and they said in the intermission that he's going to get a fine for that. Really? Yeah, Jamal Mayers said that it, you, if there's a a hierarchy of players that can wear no bucket, and he's not on that list. Of course there is. Okay, so the Blackhawks beat the Penguins 4-2. to The early game, uh, Tampa Bay beat Nashville 5-3. to This was a game with a couple momentum changes. The Lightning dominated to start. The Nashville got back into the game, and the Lightning were then like, nope, no more. Mm -hmm. Uh, They won 5-3. to And the late game, Vegas raised the Stanley Cup banner, and... Pretty handily defeated the Seattle Kraken four to one. Yep. The one thing that strikes me about Vegas is how much they seem to enjoy playing together. Mm-hmm. Like they really know they know how they want to play. And here's the key: they have the ability to do it. Yeah, personnel is <laughs> a big deal. Personnel is a big deal. Look, that is probably probably the best bottom six forward group in the NHL. Down right? the middle, um, like there are better centers. In the NHL, I don't know if anyone has like the strength of all four centers that Vegas does. They, right? Like you've they, got Jack Eichel at the top, you've got uh, Chenandler Stevenson, who has honestly been a great story. Like he, is, he was, yeah, a, he had a goal and an assist he, last he's night. A, he's mistaken. a he's a really good player. And by the way, he's got a year left before he's a unrestricted free agent. And then you've got William Carlson, who's kind of got a similar story to Stevenson, right? Mm-hmm. Like these guys were in their older organizations; they were not. Top line players that come to Vegas and they develop into those or they grow into those roles, although Carlson did it right away. And then what you're talking about in the bottom six is like Nick Waugh as yeah. a center. Like that fourth line is incredible. Absolutely yeah, they, incredible. I mean, like they, Nick Waugh is a third line center on most teams. That some teams would be like, can you play second line center? Yeah, I know. They look, they went about it. And built a team, and part of it was that they were allowed to do it from scratch. Although, granted, they've turned over the Golden Misfits thing, but they've gone out and aggressively identified the type of players that fit the way that they want to play. And and part of it is we are going to build out incredible amounts of depth 
Because, I mean, look, we'll talk to Jason Greger later in the show about the Oilers, but one of the things that I've read consistently in the Oilers previews going into this season is the big reason they lost that series against Vegas was because their third and fourth lines got thoroughly outplayed. That Vegas felt that anytime their bottom six was on the ice, they had a decided advantage. They almost were like, yeah, we'll concede the fact that Dreisaitl and McDavid are going to get theirs. Mm -hmm. That's par for the course. But if we can not just saw them off, but beat them thoroughly with those lines out there, Lo and behold, they won the series. So those were the other two games from last night. Vegas gets a win. Tampa Bay gets a win. We now need to dive into the big news of yesterday as it pertains to your Vancouver Canucks. Connor Garland would like to go elsewhere. (laughs) The Canucks just nearly made it to the first game of the regular season, having like a quiet relatively quiet time. Have you guys not, free. Have you not read our no distraction sign? You're clearly missing the no distraction yeah, sign. Yeah, I had to erase it. We've now gone zero days. Is, it, is everything going right yet? Like yeah. a couple of days ago, uh, Elliot Friedman had that report about Elias Pettersson that made headlines, and now it's Connor Garland in the spotlight. Um, Garland changes agents, and this is a big deal because Garland has three years left on his contract. He's not like an, uh, you know, those guys that change their agents while they're unrestricted free agents because they're not getting the deal that they want. Like he, you, you don't change agents like this. I mean, I don't know unless unless you have like a fist fight with the guy or something like that. He, he wants something, and you know, by all accounts, he wants out of Vancouver. Um, and talk about a tough situation for the Canucks. We all know they've been trying to trade guys like Garland. They've been trying to clear cap space. Guys like uh, Connor Garland, um, Brock Besser, Tyler Myers. But it's pretty awkward this gets out now, the day before the season opener at home for the Oilers. Sorry, you said get, it gets out. I think it's an interesting way of phrasing it because I think it was put out. I don't think it was. I don't think it got out. Right. Right. Yeah. I mean, there's a difference. Put, put out here. by it was the put out. So the, the so his new agent like spit out the words. Put out. His new agent is a guy by the name of a Judd Moldaver. Is that how you pronounce it? <laughs> Judd. That's a tough name. Judd. He's Moldaver. a guy by the name of. I haven't practiced the pronunciation. But I think we should all get to know this guy because he is one of the um, new power agents. Like, he is McDavid's agent Mm -hmm. because McDavid's old agent started to work for the Edmonton Oilers. Jeff Jackson. So he went to Judd. Judd and Jeff. Uh, And... And he's also Austin Matthews' agent. And like Roman Yossi. He's like got this a big is, client base. This guy that's got, uh, like, Pat Brisson is still <laughs> the big guy. He's still the big agent. But this guy, Judd Moldaver, God, I hope I'm pronouncing his name right, yeah. is is considered kind of like the up-and-coming power agent. And the best agents have a way of making things happen. They have a way of putting pressure on teams in order to... Uh, get their clients what they want. That being said, I'm not particularly sure how Garland's new agent is supposed to craft a deal here. I'm sure the Canucks have fully explored a trade. Didn't we go through this with Besser too? Like, you know, the Canucks have given their agent, you know, permission to go talk to other teams. But maybe, maybe Ben Hankinson, the agent for Brock Besser, isn't as aggressive as this new hotshot agent, well, what, is he, uh, well, how, what how, how much more aggressive does he need to be? Just like I've said threat, it before, threatening yeah. people or it's something? It's not a like? mindset, great, Jason. It's a grind set. Okay. Yeah. Uh, I, I do think it bears repeating that Garland fired his old agent 
quite recently mm-hmm. and hired his new agent despite the fact that he's got three years left on his deal. He wants out of Vancouver and he wants out as soon as possible. And, you know, he can he can spin it, which he did to the media, and he said, well, that's my agent's job. I'm excited playing for a Canadian team. I'm excited for the season opener. Yeah, that's fine. Yeah, like maybe he is, right? He's a hockey player. He gets to play hockey now. But at the same time, tonight against the Oilers, in the first game of a season where the Canucks are hoping to come together as a team and hoping to find something that galvanizes them, mm-hmm. one of the wingers who could be on their top line tonight might be a guy that's currently requesting a trade. Yep. Like, that's not good for team morale. That's not good for the dynamics of a group that is apparently sick of losing, has a new leadership group, a new captain who's pretty young, pretty inexperienced, and one of the guys on the team doesn't want to be there. Well, look, I'll say this. it's It feels like a real junk move from Garland, if we're being honest. It feels like a really, really, really lousy move as a teammate, as a guy that spent the entire preseason working under the pretense that Rick Tockett threw out there, which is play for what's on the front of the jersey, what's not on the back, don't worry about that. Play for the logo, play for the crest. Now, look, you might say, Halford, this doesn't sound like you. You're always empowering the players and their ability to move, and it's too static in the NHL. And I still agree with all that. The issue with this is the timing, right? And then... I don't want to play the Garland audio. I'll just paraphrase what he said. Because he got up there yesterday and kind of tap danced around what was going on. Acknowledged that he changed agents, but then added, uh, that's his business, talking about the agent. That's not my business. I'm not an agent. I'm a hockey player. I'm like, oh, did your new agent fire your old agent? Yeah. Did your new agent hire himself? Because that feels like you decisions. Do you ever not give agent decisions? Do you ever give directions to your agent or does he run your life? Yeah, like I come on. <laughs> really. Come on. And I get look, I can understand that maybe he's got a level of disappointment with how things have gone over the last couple of years in Vancouver. I can understand that maybe he wants to change his scenery, and I can understand that maybe he didn't love potentially opening the third line, opening on the third line with Puce Suter as his center. Yeah, I get all that. Is that a related story, by the way, that Garland gets kicked up to the top line? I mean, I didn't love seeing that either. No, 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 but is it a related story? Do you think the Canucks were like... Maybe. All right, fine. Maybe. But then... then it, you Well, they got to st- showcase him now, right? So. <laughs> oh, yeah. Because the book's not out on Connor Garland yeah. yet. Yeah, is he the okay, one that spins time. with the short stick? Look, I'm telling you, this is kind of a dick move going into the opener. He could have done this at the start of the preseason. He could have done this at the start of training camp. Mm-hmm. He could have held out from training camp. But no, no, no. But but doesn't that make you wonder how it went down? You're saying he could have. He could have. I'm saying like, the timing is not no, 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 coincidental. But, but there's a but there's there reaches a boiling point sometimes for players. There reaches a point, and I wonder what it was for Garland. Could it be that you said he could have done this before training camp? Maybe he was at any point. Okay, maybe he was waiting to see what happened at training camp, and then he's on the third line, and he can't get off the third line. He's like. I'm with Suter. Like, I don't even, Puce, is it Pius, Pius? How, how do we pronounce this? Like, regardless, I don't want to play on the third line with you. And then all of a sudden he's like, like Luongo eventually had a breaking point, right? Sure. That was the, it was the Heritage Classic, whatever sure. they called it, right? Right. Could there have been, could there, I'm just throwing it out there. 
could you you're right because the timing is so aggressive and so um from the outside looking in selfish that I wonder if there was something that happened during training camp or during the preseason where Connor Garland was like, this agent, you're fired because I'm getting really pissed off here and I'm hiring a new agent and get it out there because I want out of here. I just wonder what would have changed over training camp. Did anything... His place in the lineup. Did it change? We always kind of considered him a middle six winger. Did it, did anything I don't think fundamentally ch- change? I don't think he thinks of himself as a third line guy, and I think he wants. Uh, well, you know how you could not think of yourself as a third line guy is to play better. Play okay, like a, but I'm, like a I'm top line. Guy. But but I'm all I'm doing is pushing back on your notion that he could have done it earlier. I'm saying that I bet if sure, I had I'm, to bet something happened at training camp, he got upset with his role, and he said, "You know what? I'm not. I don't even like it here that much." And now I'm going nuclear. If I had to bet. The new agent might have suggested, hey, you know what's a really good play here is we'll make a switch and we will make your public declaration happen right at that time where everyone's on the eve of starting the season and says, hey, maybe we need a little bit of an upgrade here. Or, hey, we didn't like what we saw in the preseason. We've seen countless trades in the NHL over the years right before the start of the regular season where teams are finally ready to address some of the issues that they have. Also... I don't think it's surprising that this got out and then right away there was a reaction from the Canucks. I think this was all designed to get a reaction, if we're being honest, mm-hmm. either from other teams or from the media or from the club themselves. One, want- thing I, one thing I don't get, though, was what his agent not be like, Connor, like there's no market for you right now. The team's been That's trying not what to agents, trade you. Agents are nobody paid. Has any, nobody has any money. Like no, no teams have any money to take on this contract. Agents aren't often paid to give their clients the reality. They're paid to give their clients the reality that their clients want, if that makes sense. So Connor Garland's probably like, I don't want to hear any of that, right? I just mm-hmm. I, move me. I, I I hired you. Well, it's I'm easier said you. than done when nobody has money. Yeah, but he's he's going to try and show his new client that he's going to work hard to mm-hmm. get him what he wants, right? And this is how he gets other clients in the yeah, future. This is how you get other clients. You, you stick up for your unhappy player and you try and make him happy. So I want to read a couple texts into the Dunbar Lumber text line. Garland isn't even very good. Comes out like he's actually a good player. Just be quiet and play hockey. Get that guy the hell out of here. Um, here's the thing with Garland. Even if you don't think he's a very good player, how many wingers on the Canucks do you think is be- are better than him? Well, there's a problem. <laughs> right? <laughs> they might need him. Again, he's on the top line. Could be on the top line tonight. They might, they might need him. How many wingers are better than Garland? There's there's Kuzmenko for sure. Mikheyev went healthy. Mikheyev if he's healthy, and then depending on the night, maybe Brock Besser. Besser when he's rolling. Right? Like, maybe. But on other nights, you'd probably take Connor Garland. What about Beauvillier? Yeah, what about Beauvillier, right? Beauvillier? All those three guys are the same to me. Garland, Besser, and Beauvillier, you're kind of like, yeah, on certain nights they look good, and on other nights they're they're, they're invisible, and that's the problem for the Canucks. The rest of the, the league sees that, and mm-hmm. they're like, yeah, you're not worth the money, right? We can, we can find guys cheaper. I want to read another text. There's no comparing Luongo to Garland. Luongo was a superstar who gave everything to this team, Garland, has underachieved. My only point in this texter, I'm not sitting there going, these are both the same players that have meant the same to the franchise. All I'm saying is that in certain cases, there's a a final straw in the breaking of a relationship between player and team. Mm -hmm. With Luongo, we all know 
It was not getting started by John Tortorella at the Heritage Classic at BC Place. What I'm wondering is if there was a final straw for Connor Garland at training camp in the preseason where he said, F this, I'm firing my agent who hasn't been able to get me out of here, and I'm getting a new guy who hopefully can. So a text just came in. Halford, you're making inferences without evidence. Yeah, it's kind of what we do. Not saying it isn't ridiculous timing, but the situation has been untenable for a while. Oh, I'm sorry. Has it been untenable? Oh, has this not been great for him? You know what hasn't been great for? A lot of guys in the organization. You know what you do in moments like that? Play better. Make your team better. I just, I, I, this is not, I mean, when you make the Luongo comparison, Luongo's situation was untenable. <laughs> this does not seem untenable to hey, me. Hey, we can't compare those two players. What does it say when two guys in as many years request a trade? Like with Garland and Besser before him? We like, all what, know it's been a you-know-what show in Vancouver. Is, is it just if get- anyone's still pretending it hasn't been an absolute disaster in Vancouver the last few years... They are so far into denial that you are not going to reach them. Yeah. Right? Mm-hmm. They are the definition of the everything is fine meme. Yeah. We all know that players have not been happy this in, in Vancouver. This is why it was supposed to change this year. And it was looking pretty good for a little while in terms of like the guys all saying and doing the right things. They came to Vancouver. They got here early. They're like, we're committed to winning and we're tired of losing. Nearly made it to game one of the regular season. Nearly. I mean, I don't, the Canucks gave Garland the biggest payday of his life. I mean, what it's untenable is almost a comical, um, description of the whole situation. Like it hasn't been great, but it hasn't been great for a lot of different people. Sometimes the responsibility falls on the individual to make it better. That's it. Plain and simple. End of story. You're listening to the best of Halford and Bruff. You're listening to the best of Halford and Bruff. The game underway with Kurt Fraser dumping the puck into the Calgary zone. A tip to Bernie right in front for Steele. Eight thirty one on a Wednesday. Happy Wednesday, everybody. Halford Bruff, Sportsnet six fifty. Halford Bruff of the morning is brought to you by the Delari family of Acura dealers. Experience the Delari difference today by visiting your nearest Delari Acura dealer today. We are in hour three of the program. Hour three is brought to you by Campbell and Pound Real Estate Appraisers. Trust the expertise of Campbell and Pound. Visit them on the internet at campbell-pound.com today. I cannot think of a better way to kick off the Canucks. 2023-2024 regular season, which begins tonight, 7 o'clock, Rogers Arena. You can hear the call right here, Sportsnet 650, your home of the Canucks. No better way to start than by speaking with a true Canucks legend. Joining us now on the program, Stan Smeal here on the Halford & Bruff Show on Sportsnet 650. Morning, Stan. How are you? I'm very well, gentlemen. Like you said, uh, great day. Uh I know a lot of people have been waiting for this day. The, the hockey season obviously started yesterday uh, with the NHL and us going tonight. It's a very exciting time. A lot of changes within the organizations, a lot of changes within the personnel, uh, a lot of changes with the, the players and the number, you know, from last year to this year. So, yeah, it's a really exciting time uh, for everyone. Well, speaking of changes within the organization, let's start right there because recently it was announced that you're going to take a step back from daily duties with the club and shift into more of a team ambassador role. Uh, why the decision? Why now, Stan? 
It was time. Um, I think, uh, first of all, I think you're the first one that says I haven't retired, um, which I've had a lot of people, you know, texting me and, and, and congratulating me and, you know, welcome to retirement and enjoy it. Uh, I'm not retiring at this time. I'm just moving over in a different position within the organization. And uh, I think um, uh, the last few years have, uh, for me, uh, have been a challenge personally. And mm-hmm. uh, it was just time to, to move on. And now I'm just looking forward to the you know, the new opportunity that I'll be going into and, and accept that role. Um, I, I look at just, I guess for me and you guys, you know, we went through it a, a few years ago when um, uh, I was an intern GM for, you know, five days. Um, and just some of the things I remember what I said was, you know, we don't have an identity. Uh, uh, and that was really important for me. We didn't have a direction. Um, we didn't have a plan at that time. And I feel very comfortable that there is a plan, there is a direction. And we just have some young new people within our office, talented people. Um, and um, I think it's time for other people to have that opportunity and show what they can do. Um, uh, so uh, 45 years, I've, I've done many things with the organization and really enjoyed it. Um, this fan base here in the province of BC and the lower mainland is just been so wonderful to be part of it and uh, I'm going to be a part of it for the next few years also. Stan, what can the identity of this team be? You know, for me at the end of the day, like if you take a look at the game in general over the years, you know, I've been thinking like over the last 45 years, the biggest thing that I've seen change within is just the game. The game has changed into a business, and and I think you see now the talent in a lot of these players, um, and you need that talent to win, but you also have to have an identity of how hard you are to play against, and and that comes from every individual, and I just don't feel... You know, two, three years, we were that. We were just too easy to play against. Mm-hmm. I was an opponent coming in and taking a look at our lineup. You want pushback. Not, not, not only pushback for me is I want to see initiate. I want players to initiate. You don't wait around as the game develops. You're good at what you do. Go out and initiate it. That's how you win hockey games. And that is the identity I want to see this team have. Is it harder these days to bring a team together? Yes. Um, That's really interesting, that part of it. And how do you bring a team together? You know, do you, you know, you want to, you know, have those character players or that identity and, and that, um, how do you do that? Do you bring one or two players in? Does that change it? It, it doesn't just take one or two p- players. For me, it has to come from upstairs. And I mean the management side. You want to have a true identity. It starts there. And this is the way we're going to run a, a, as a pro team. This is the way 
what we expect from the players, and then it filters what to expect of this organization coming in here and what it truly is to be a Canuck. And that's where it starts. And I think, well, I think I know we're going in that direction, getting back to where we were before. Um, but it starts with the management and it goes down to the players. What truly is, is a Canuck. So when you look back on, on, on your playing history with the Canuck stand, like, why did you care so much? I think it's just, it's something. I loved playing the game. I loved winning. I knew what it took to win because I was fortunate to come in at a young age. I left home when I was 13 and I went to play in uh, with the Bellingham Blazers. I was protected by the Regina Pats uh, when I was 13. They, they, they could just protect anyone. And so I was protected sure. by the Regina Pats. And then Punch McLean saw something in me and he brought me out to Bellingham, made the trade. And when you play, you start playing at a junior level, you know, you're playing to win, you have the goal to make it to the NHL. And I think, you know, we won our, uh, we won the BC uh, Hockey League um, my second year there. Uh, then we, I was fortunate enough to go with New Westminster Bruins and you guys know the the winning history there and really what it takes. And, and if you take a look at the teams, even in New West, uh, their first year, I, I, I was in Bellingham and got called up. But the my last year that we wanted, we shouldn't have won it. We were lucky just to make playoffs. But we had the leadership group that had been there before of what it takes to win. And you never lose that. It is It is damn hard to win any sort of championship. And you know what it takes, the grind that when you get in there uh, and that experience and, and, and that just grows with you as a human being for me. And I've always been competitive, whatever I've done. Um, and I think when you install winning and that, it, that's where you learn those things of what it takes. <laughs> Stan, this is a bit of a funny question, but <laughs> I kind of do wonder about it. Was it easier to come together as a team when you had things like bench clearing brawls and line brawls and you're all out there fighting for each other? I'm looking at some of your penalty minutes. I'm like, you scored, you know, 35 goals for the new Westminster Bruins in 72 games. You also spent 200 minutes in the penalty box. Like you could have had a lot more if you didn't spend like what five combined games in the penalty box. I'm just wondering if like the lack of these types of games where things devolve and, you know, like you're in a big punch up makes it harder to like, bond or is that a very old school way of thinking about it and something that just doesn't that's, exist anymore yeah that's that was really part of the game just that that part of the game you know like i was fortunate enough to came into a uh, uh, environment in westminster and intimidation was a big part of the game and and as much as the penalty minutes and and the reputation that we had um um, there was a fine line that you have to walk that you have to score to win also. Um, as for the physical part of it, uh, that was just the game then. And I had to survive to be able to handle myself. I was, mm -hmm. you know, five foot eight. Um, and the only way I was going to survive, if I stood up for myself. So I learned that as I, I as I went through my career, um, and, and 
you know what, those sort of incidents really do bond a group because you're with them every day, especially at the junior level. You're with them every day, practice, uh, going to school, not going to school. And so you really bond and those little things make a real difference. But I think in today's game, um, I, I think that bonding comes, comes from every individual knowing their role. And like I said earlier, initiate, don't wait around. And when you know your role and you initiate it, you, every, your teammates know and what to expect out of you. Um, you know, we can't rely on, you know, Pedersen and doing his thing every night or Quinn Hughes doing his thing every night. You have a certain role. And I know every player has been through, you know, whatever, you know, through uh, minor hockey and junior and to get where they, they're at, they're, they played at that high level and they were probably played in the top six. Well, you're not, as you go, players get better and players get better. I think once you understand your role a little bit more, then go out and do it. And I think when you're initiating more, that's where you can get the team building, team bonding, because when you're initiating, you're upsetting the other team. You know, you're doing things that, mm-hmm. that pushing and shoving start a little bit more, you know, and that, so I think that's important to bond because in my day, you just don't see that anymore. And in, 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 uh, as, as a player, we're speaking to Stan Smeal here on the Halford and Bruff show on Sportsnet 650. Canucks are in action tonight, 7 o'clock from Rogers Arena. You can hear it right here on Sportsnet 650. Stan, as a former longtime captain of this club, what did you think when you heard that the mantle was going to be passed to the new captain of the team? You just mentioned his name, Quinn Hughes. I was really excited and it did not surprise me. Um, um, Quinn, um, I, it was really interesting at training camp. I went over for a couple of days and I actually was walking in Victoria after one of our team meals and, um, and uh, Quinn and, and Petey were just sitting on a bench in one of the streets in Victoria that's closed off and called me over and we just had a talk. And it's really the first time I've had a real talk to them, uh, both of them as individuals. But I really respect him because not only from that night and what he, you could really hear his his passion and caring about uh, being a Canuck and and moving forward of what he has to do and all that but Quinn Hughes as you know was a high high draft pick but he didn't come in here with that uh, mentality of well I'm a first rounder I gotta play this minutes I gotta do this I gotta do that no I I'm running the first power play Quinn Hughes came in to this organization and getting watching people and respecting people all around him, how they handled certain sort of situations. He's a quiet individual um, and, and he respected his teammates. And I think now he's getting to the point that he has seen enough of what he has to do as a player, but more so how he's going to be a captain and how to get the best out of all his teammates because of just sitting back and and listening and learning and 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 just I I think just being quiet about it um, and, and and that now he knows now he'll speak when he thinks he has to speak and, and it's not always being a raw raw captain it's 
It's going out there uh, at the end of the day and being good at what you're at and not anything else affects you as a player. And I think Quinn Hughes has, has, has learned that over the last few years. Stan, can you tell us a little bit more about what you were talking about on on that park bench in Victoria? Were they asking you for you for advice? Were you giving them advice, or was it just a friendly chat about day to day things? Just a friendly chat about day to day things. Players I played, the uh, you know, they asked about uh, you know uh, Trevor Linden and Pavel Bure and. Uh, who's the best Canuck. And obviously I said number 12 and, uh, and <laughs> yeah, they, choice, had, they asked about the flying V and, <laughs> and just, it's just a number of things. And it was really interesting sitting there talking to them. Um, and that, so, um, that, that was, that was the conversation and, um, nothing more than that. Do you ever look back on things like where you came from? You grew up in Alberta you came to play um, for the Bellingham Blazers when you were, what, 14 or 15? Or maybe you mentioned 13. Then you played with New West, and, like, you never left BC. And do you ever – and then you worked for the Canucks. Uh, you know, do you ever think about where your journey has taken you? As – you know what um, – you, you don't, as a player, you kind of, because you're just enjoying and, and playing and, and doing that. And then, uh, so you, you really, I, I didn't really kind of sit back and say, oh, this is a great career because I got into the coaching part of it, management part of it. But now, as especially for the last five years, you're kind of sitting back and, and saying where you came from and, and, you know, from Northern Alberta, coming out to Bellingham, Washington, I'm just going, wow. <laughs> you know, from the flat prairies to the mountains and, the, you know, the scenery here in, in, on the West Coast is just stunning. I says, wow, this is a nice place to live. Uh, and I would like to, you know, that'd be nice in the future. But never, never, ever thought I'd, you know, make a great living out of it for 45 years. And especially in, in one city, in one province. You know, I, I've gone coaching, you know, in, in Syracuse and Kansas City and Winnipeg, but this is always going to be home. And I just kind of fell in love with it when I was 13, when I came out here. And, and I got to watch the Canucks early. You know, obviously, you know, um, BCTV broadcast, you know, so many games, and I was able to watch them there. And then in U.S., Punch was able to get us into the games for free in the standing room sections and was able to watch them there. And, I, I when I did go watch him, I, I did go back when I went back to my Bellets place in New West. I did say I can help this team. I can make this team. It's, it's funny those little things in your mind that you have to, I think, go through to be successful. Um, but boy, you know what? I never ever thought when I first came out at 13, and I'm 65 now, that I'd still be here. I honestly don't. But I am the luckiest person in the world because this is the best province, best team to play for. Well, you know, I want to bring up another small piece of history here because you mentioned the Flying V jersey. So this is courtesy of Jason Beck, who runs the BC Sports History account. This day, October 11th, 1978, the Vancouver Canucks debuted the Flying V sweaters in an 8-2 win over the Colorado Rockies. On the score sheet that day... <laughs> the Rockies were forced to move after that. A young 21-year-old <laughs> forward named Stan Smeal got an assist 
on Kurt Fraser's goal to make it 4 nothing. So there you go. Everything's tied back in to opening night all those years ago. Hey, Stan, this was great. Thanks a lot for taking the time to do this today. We really appreciate it. Enjoy the game tonight. Enjoy the season. And enjoy this new role as a team ambassador. Well, I really appreciate uh, giving me this time, you guys. I always enjoy listening to you guys when I drive into uh, into the games uh, in the, or you know to our morning skates or practices. I won't be going to as many practices in morning skates now, so I might have to miss a couple of your shows. That's but fine. That's Sleep all right. in, Stan. Sleep in, Stan. You <laughs> deserve it. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. No, all is good. So I really appreciate you guys, and thank you. Thank you, Stan. We appreciate it as well. That's Stan Smeal, Connects legend here on the Halford and Bruff Show on Sportsnet 650. If that doesn't get you fired up, listeners, mm-hmm. for the game tonight. Well, hopefully it gets the Canucks fired up, too. If they're not listening, and if yeah. you're not listening, if you're not fired up, I'm ready to run through a brick wall. Can I just say that, yeah. was, that was awesome? That was so good. Look, he cares, he man. Cares. He, cares. he cares. That's that's all we want. Yeah, It's all we want. Care. Well, uh, wins are nice. He cares well, wins, enough to wins. listen to this show. And expected a good, goals. I love and a good PK. Goals. Yeah, right? Like, right? just care. Just care. Stan played for some like bad teams in the eighties, yeah, but not as bad as the Colorado Rockies. His 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 passion level was was always there, and um, you know I know a lot of people are probably rolling their eyes. It's like all you want them to do is care. I'm like that's a first step, mm-hmm. right? You got to care. Well, you know, have okay. have an identity. And I loved what he said. Like initiate. Yeah, initiate. Don't good be way passive. Play. Don't don't feel your way into games. Like you can play aggressive defensive hockey. Like the trap, people are saying, are the Canucks going to trap it up? Like, well, maybe. Like, I hope not. But there's a difference between trapping, which is almost like welcoming a team to break out and then kind of trapping them along the boards when they're trying to come in. You're like, you're like hurting them. The trap is like hurting a team into a smaller area and then you check them. It's a trap. We're talking about like be aggressive through the neutral zone. So if you're a forward and a guy's carrying the puck, Get after him. Like, you might not catch him, but you don't want to get him, let him go like straight line speed through the neutral zone. And then the defensemen are back there trying to hold the blue line going. Like, it's a lot harder when they're coming full speed at you. From like, that's the type, that's just, that's hockey, right? It's not trapping. It's, it's hockey. Compete through the neutral zone, compete everywhere on the ice. From what you've seen from Rick Tockett as a head coach so far, do you think he'd be more inclined to be a little more aggressive or be one of those risk averse type coaches? Feels like a little bit more risk averse. You think he's on that side of the risk averse? By, think, by I, that I mean, if they, put it this way, if he had the choice between a high event game and a low event game, he's taking low event. How much of that is the lineup that's given to him, though, and how much of that I think is I don't his think I don't think he's making a lot of decisions based on his personnel. I think he wants his personnel to play a certain style. Mm-hmm. I think it's risk averse relative to last season. I don't know. Where I think the, it's just risk averse. Period. Yeah, but a lot of it is just in response. Like sometimes you really have to be like, "Hey guys, the way you were playing last year." You know, like that was crazy. That last, was like you were at the roulette table and last, just like betting on everything. Last right? year, last year was winning averse, not like risk averse. You like, also hey, didn't have a goalie that could play a risk averse. Well, it was common oh, sense yeah. averse. Yeah, like it was like, it was what are you guys averse. doing? Four one lead. Let's try this drop pass at the blue line. What was your style of play averse? Can you be uh, risk averse and still initiate, like Stan was saying? Like, can those things be as one? Because they kind of sound like. Opposed sometimes. Risk averse sounds like you're just standing there waiting for an you can opponent manage, to make a mistake. You can but. manage the game and still be aggressive at the I'm gonna same be, time. I'm going to be honest, though. I don't think risk versus reward and up-tempo versus low-tempo is the real thing here. 
I think the thing that Tockett needs to see, and I talked about this with someone in a totally different sporting realm, but I'm like, you'd be amazed at the highest level when you think it comes down to a lot of sophisticated approaches. It's like, we just need to win more battles. We just need to win more. That's how we're going to win this game is we just win more one-on-one battles. They can be on the boards. They can be in the corners. They can be in a fight. But what it comes down to isn't coaching. It's do you have the will to beat a guy or are you willing to make more sacrifices than the other guy in those moments? And I think that's the biggest thing talk is trying to get through to this team. It's like it's not about playing Plinko and making a decision that's going to net us a neutral result 51% of the time. It's if there's a puck on the wall, and our guy and their guy go in for it. How badly do you want it? Well, is our guy going to come out the majority of the time? Because that's what they don't do right now enough, and he Mm -hmm. wants them to do it more. You're listening to the best of Halford and Bruff.